Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. Welcome to the show, everybody. Are you ready for me to start talking? Let's listen to a little bit more of the song. Take it away, Smash. We are St. Louis, the home of the blues. Come on, St. Louis. Come on, St. Louis. Come on, St. Louis. Come on, St. Louis. All over the hockey universe. Alright, now welcome to the show everyone. This is the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. Although it's not really summer anymore, but that's still what we're going to call it because it's still summer for hockey fans because the season has not officially started yet. Training camps around the league are open, which is very exciting, but still summer because it's not October yet. This is Season 7, Episode 12, Franchise Episode number 145, all time. Just five away from 150. That's a big deal. We'll have to have a big celebratory 150th show. Well, we have a couple things to get to. Actually, a lot to get to. It's a pretty action-packed show, but I do want to touch on a couple things that have already come out for Blues fans who care, because I know they do. Uh... Jake Allen out with back spasms. Nikita Soshkinov is out with a concussion. Eric Foley, who played in the Traverse City Tournament, he is out with a concussion. And Luke Opilka, one of the uh, the Blues' fine prospects in goal, is having some hip issues reoccurring, and he is out as well. I'm sure people listening to this show already know all of that, but just a wonderful way to start the season, isn't it? Seems like it's every year that uh, the Blues come out and there's two or three injuries right in the opening of camp. And last year it was Robbie Fabry, but if you're listening to this show, I'm guessing you already know this, that he went out and skated today and looked great. So good news to have Robbie Fabry back on the team. Jake Allen should be back by the start of the season, I would imagine. I would think that he would possibly even be back maybe before the end of preseason. But only time will tell on that. We, don't, we have no idea yet. We're just getting fed what the Blues know, which sometimes they don't even know what's going on. Uh, just uh, depends on how these guys can heal and how quickly they can get back on the ice. But I wouldn't worry too much yet. The one that's kind of concerning for me is Eric Foley and Soshkinov, who's had concussion issues in the past. So hopefully those guys will be able to come back. And, and Foley, uh, you know, whether he make the NHL roster or not, we don't know. But It'd be nice to see him challenge for a spot. So maybe he can come back before the preseason's over. Concussions are so weird. We have no idea when a player will come back from injury uh, if it's a concussion. So 
let's hope. Let's hope he can at least try and challenge for a spot. Uh, I know that he's a motivated guy, so we'll see. Well, I do have an update, as I've said on Twitter and Facebook, about the song Let's Go Blues, the new version that will be released for the 2018-19 season, written by Gene Ackman and Smash. I did speak with Gene earlier this week. This is the week of September 15th, whatever that week is. That was a Saturday, so the week before. Uh, Smash and Gene are working on the song, and uh, Gene did actually ask my opinion on a couple of the lyrics that they will be replacing. So they seem pretty deep into it. I know they spent some time together on Monday working on a new song. So hopefully we'll have more of an update next week. When I release a show, my show with uh, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, but we'll see. Only time will tell, but it's coming along, folks. I'm very excited to hear this song. Uh, Smash and Gene are great musicians that have done some really cool things in the past, and I know we're in store for something really cool, so make sure you stay tuned for that. As I ask every week, please subscribe to our show on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Plex. You can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps other hockey fans find us and listen to us. And a lot of you have done that, and I greatly appreciate that. Uh, Very cool of you to take time to give us a rating. So if you haven't done so yet, please do so. Quickly, I want to touch on the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament. It uh, benefits Be The Match and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It is Saturday, November 17th from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Bar stays open until 1. And of course, it is named after my late father who lost his battle with leukemia in 2015. Uh, So this is uh, something near and dear to my heart as well as uh, both foundations that we are supporting. So if you are available on Saturday, November 17th, it's out at Queenie Park, Midwest Sport Hockey. Come out and check us out. We'll have some raffle items. We'll have a couple different things going on, but of course we've got bad hockey going on. And if you are interested in playing, we still have a couple spots open. you got to go over to dropinstl.com and then go to the 2018 SPMCT Tourney tab. That is where you will find sign up. You just go to the bottom and click the donate button and uh, pay your entrance fee. So if you can play on rollerblades, if you can play inline hockey, if you can skate, that's all we ask. Uh, even if you can't, who cares? Uh, it's just a good time. We all have a great time together. Uh, just a fun tournament. So if you can make it out, we'd love to see you. Well, on to my guests this week. We have a couple. Uh, two guys that I've been uh, talking to throughout the summer to try and get on, and I was finally able to work out both of them. Uh, first one is Tom Calhoun. You heard his voice in the very open there. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He's uh, been on before, although uh, I don't know um, if that episode ever made it to error. I know there was some some issues with it, but Tom's a, been a long-time friend of the show. He's been the uh, public address announcer for the St. Louis Blues, for almost 32 years on the job, and he's got quite the Iron Man streak going. He has never missed a game. That's preseason, regular season, and playoffs. Think about the ice storms we've had. Think about the the illnesses, the family events that, that he's probably had, that he's missed time with family for this. I mean, the guy is just a workhorse. So uh, we do talk about that, his great Iron Man streak, as well as his 
what his life is like on a game day for the Blues, and we also talk about his favorite moments as the Blues public address announcer. So that is Tom Calhoun, and he is uh, coming up first, and then stay tuned after that, because I have Steve Albers of Center Ice Brewery in Midtown uh, coming on the show. We discuss what's on tap for the brewery this season, pun intended. Uh, We talk about his love for hockey, his love for beer, and of course his entrepreneurial lifestyle, which is uh, uh, something that I commend and something that I think a lot of people could be motivated by. Um, He's got some great stuff to say about that. If you're interested in starting your own business or making a career change, uh, definitely want to listen to that because he does talk about that a lot. He was a bank manager and he went on to own a brewery, own and operate. So uh, very cool, uh, good story to hear from him, and then we also, of course, talk about just uh, you know what you can expect from the Center Ice Brewery. If you haven't been there, you need to get there. It's a great, great place to go to watch a hockey game, and then really just to hang out. Uh, there's always hockey on the TVs on there, so make sure you check that out and uh, stay tuned for Steve after I speak with Tom. Well, here's my first interview. This is Tom Calhoun, the voice of the St. Louis Blues over the PA system. This is Jeff of Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I am joined by Tom Calhoun. He is the Blues public address announcer since January of 1987. For 31 years, he's been a staple in every Blues home game and every memorable event at the Checker Dome and, of course, the many names the Keel Center has had in that time. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining me. Jeff, thanks for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. Of course. Uh, so I have to ask you first. So you, um, you know, you're a, a local St. Louis kid, correct? Yeah, I grew up in on the Illinois side. Uh, uh, grew up in Belleville. Went to the public schools there, and um, went to SIU Edwardsville for my undergrad studies. Uh, eventually went to Lindenwood Belleville for a master's degree, and kind of have spent most of my life on the uh, on the Eel side. That's good. So uh, I have to ask, were you a hockey fan growing up? You know, I was. I, I guess I'd have to admit that I'm, I've always been a little bit more of a baseball fan than I was a, a hockey fan until I started working for the Blues. I, I did play some youth hockey, uh, roller hockey, and street hockey. There wasn't much ice around in the days that I was a young guy. Um, but, um, you know, I, I liked hockey from the beginning. When the Blues came along in the 60s, I, I fell in love with uh, you know, enjoying watching the games, uh, and then you know we had some friends that uh, that played the game a little bit. But uh, truthfully, uh, I've never played serious ice hockey or uh, gotten into it from from that aspect of it. But uh, but yeah, I've always been a fan of the sport. Um, kind of like I said, grew up a baseball fan, but transitioned into a hockey slash baseball guy uh, when I started working for the team back in '87. So you graduated from uh, Southern Illinois University with a uh, uh, bachelor's in mass communications in 1972. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your first job out of college? First job out of college, I was lucky enough to land a, a job at uh, WIBV Radio, which was a station uh, in Belleville at 1260 AM. And in those days, it was thought of pretty much as the KMOX of the Metro East. It was a full-service station 
that broadcast a lot of high school and college sports on the Illinois side of the river and, uh, you know, did a lot of news and interview shows and things similar to what KMOX has done all of their years um, for the Illinois market here in the St. Louis metro area. And so when I got hired there, it was important to me that I uh, had a job where I could do sports play-by-play and also uh, function as a staff announcer for the for the uh, station as well. And did that for several years right out of college. I was very lucky that way. Sounds like it, yeah. So you uh, you ended up going over to KXOK, which at the time was the voice of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, uh-huh. How did that transition go for you? Well, it was good. I, I uh, After my days at WIBV, I spent a little time working at WIL radio, and I happened to um, indicate to uh, Ron Jacober, who I had known from earlier days interning at KMOX. Uh, Ron was at KXOK at the time, and of course, Dan Kelly was there as well at the time, and kind of let it known, let it be known to Ron that I was interested in in working at KXOK, and things were able to be worked out that way. And so I came over there as a uh, announcer slash producer uh, at KXOK, and um, part of my job was going out with a microphone and getting interviews at, at the arena for you know for use on the air uh, about the blues. So I got to know the blues people a little bit through that, and um, I don't know if you want the whole story about how I became PA announcer, yes. but that's kind of that's kind of where I'm going, I guess. Yeah, that was my um, next question. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, in late December of '86, I think it was, uh, Ron Jacober called me into his office and said, "Hey, um, would you be interested in doing the PA announcing for the blues?" And I didn't jump on it right away when he said that because I've never really, at that time, I had never really considered PA announcing as part of my future. Uh, I was more into uh, sports play-by-play and, and, you know, talk show hosting and that sort of thing. Um, But uh, I was interested in it, and because I knew the blues, um, I said, well, yeah, I'd like to talk to him about it. So he said, well, call Susie Matthew. She was there of communications and uh, uh, just about everything when it came to game presentation and so forth with the Blues at that time. Uh, Harry Arnest was still the owner of the team and uh, he said call you know call Susie and she'd like to talk to you about it so I did and Susie told me that Charlie Hodges who was then the PA announcer for the team uh, games and also worked in the front office uh, doing media relations and things like that, was going to leave the team to go to work for Anheuser-Busch. And at that time, Anheuser-Busch had a policy of not allowing their full-time employees to have outside work. So he had to quit doing the PA announcing if he was going to accept that job, which he did. And uh, they said, we'd like you to fill out the season for Charlie, if you would. And, uh, you know, I said, well, I've never done anything like this before. I, I hope it'll be okay with you. And they say, oh, I'm sure you'll be fine. And so they scheduled me to come in and sit with Charlie for a couple of games in late December of 86. And I think uh, he had to leave January 1st of 87. So my first game, I believe, was January 4th of 1987 on my own. Uh, I had done 
a couple of periods, I think, of those previous two sort of practice games. But uh, January 4th of 87, we played the Calgary Flames, and I think the Blues won 7-4, to four, if memory serves me correctly. And, and I didn't make any tremendous faux pas, so I, I guess I was invited back for the next game. And, <laughs> and um, I think when we got close to May of 87, uh, Susie uh, said, come into my office after the game. And we were, you know, I don't know who we were playing, but she said, we'd like to talk to you. And I thought, oh boy, what did I do wrong now? <laughs> And uh, so I saw her after the game in her office, and she said, you know, we really like the way you're doing the PA and would like to have you back for next year. Would you be interested? And I said, well, Susie, you know, I really found that I've enjoyed doing the PA announcing for the games. It's kind of sexy when you make an announcement and then 20,000 people, you know, roar or cheer or, <laughs> or do something, you know, have some reaction to it. So I found that I enjoyed that part of it. And, uh, you know, I had known a little bit about hockey, so I, I guess I didn't make too many faux pas when it came to announcing penalties and goals and all that stuff. And she said, um, would you come back next year? I said, well, yeah, I, I would really like to, Susie, but I, I really can't commit that much time out of my life uh, at the at the financial reward that I'm getting. Back in those days, Harry Arnest was the owner, and I don't know if you knew this, but, I mean, it was a bare-bones operation in those days. I mean, they counted paper clips, and they didn't do anything without understanding what the financial end of it was going to be. And, you know, I think the first year I did it, and when I was doing it as a favor to fill out the season, I think I was being paid, I believe it was $25 a game, which was, you know, uh, even in those days, that wasn't very much. Yeah. So I said, you know, we're going to have to work out a different financial arrangement if I'm going to come back and do this on a regular basis. And she said, well, we've already talked about it, and we, we'd like to make it worth your while. And so uh, they came up with a number that was uh, satisfactory at that time. And so I came back for the 87-88 season, and as you know, I've been at it ever since. So it's been a good relationship. I've had five ownerships that I've worked for. Uh, I don't know how many different supervisors and game presentation people, but somehow I've managed to survive for 31 years. <laughs> it's been a great, great run. So you remembered your score. You remembered the, the team you played, the date of the uh, the first game that, the, the, that you called the Blues. Um, do you remember how nervous you were going into that game? I was pretty shaky. I mean, I had spent a lot of time up to that point in my life. Uh, you know, I was already 35, 36 years old. I'd spent a lot of time behind a microphone. So, um, you know, that part of it didn't scare me too much. What what was a little bit frightening was the pace, you know, getting used to the pace of the game and all the demands that are put on you to make an announcement at the right time during the course of a game and not... Um, you know, announce the wrong name or the wrong penalty or, or something like that. I thought if I was going to make a mistake, it was going to be something along that line. It wasn't going to be pronouncing a name or uh, something mundane like that. I thought it was going to be something to do with the actual playing of the sport, you know, that I might mess up. And there's been a few of those. There were a few of those, I guess, early on where I announced, um, you know, uh, if it was a, a minor penalty along with a, a major penalty, you know, I, I might not have gotten 
the termination, uh, the, the uh, terminology just right on something like that. But for the most part, you know, I did okay. And yes, I was nervous, but I, I think I pretty much calmed down by, by the end of the second or third game. Something that, that you can probably relate to, to people like John Kelly and, and Darren Pang on is, you know, there's a lot of interesting names in the NHL. And, oh, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, just thinking of some names off the top of my head, Timofey Shishkanov, uh, Darius uh-huh. Kasparaitis, names like that. Do you ever have a yeah. name in front of you where, like, okay, there's a hooking penalty and a two-minute penalty for, oh, boy. You ever have a moment like that? Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few. Um, you know, uh, when I first ran into Dustin Bufflin, uh, there's a story there, um, uh, the Dustin Bufflin was uh, a new player for the Chicago Blackhawks several years ago, as you probably remember. And uh, he came up with the Blackhawks. And the Blues played the Blackhawks in a preseason game over in Kansas City at the uh, at the Kemper Arena then. They've since started playing at the Sprint Center. But anyway, getting back to the game there, um, usually if I see a name that I'm not familiar with on the roster, I will check with the PR people or the media relations people from both teams and say, okay, how do we say this name? Well, since it was a Kansas City and I was in a kind of a foreign setting for, for myself, um, I didn't know how to track down the media relations guys for that game. So I kind of had to go on my own judgment as to how to pronounce a name that I wasn't familiar with. <laughs> and so, um, so... Bufflin gets a penalty earlier in the game. Early in the game, I don't remember what it was for, but I remember he came in the penalty box, and I looked at the roster. Uh, two minutes for hooking for Dustin Bifuglian. Um, <laughs> and so that's what it looked like to me, so I went with it. And uh, uh, there was a phone sitting next to where I was in the penalty box area, and suddenly that phone rang after I made that announcement, and I picked it up. No, I don't think I picked it up. I think somebody else picked it up and handed it to me, and they said, hey, they want to talk to you. And uh, it was the Chicago Blackhawks media guy on the other end of the phone. I said, hello, Tom Calhoun. And they said, yeah, Tom, this is so-and-so from the Blackhawks. He pronounces his name Bufflin. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, how do you get Bufflin out of B-Y-F-U-G-L-I-E-N, you know? And he said, I don't know how they do it, but that's the way he wants it pronounced. And I said, okay, you'll be buffling from now on. <laughs> so uh, that, that was the one. Uh, the good thing was, I guess it was a preseason game, and it was not in an NHL city. And, you know, my pretty major uh, uh, screw-up on that name was uh, not hurt by <laughs> by uh, the 20,000 uh, 20, people at, uh, at our home rink. But... Yeah, there's been a few others along the way, you know, when the traveling Russians used to come through town back in uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, you know, we had the Soviet Red Army team, I think, one time, and uh, Dynamo Moscow, I think, was came through one time as well. But uh, and we did, you know, all those <laughs> excuse me exhibition games as they got prepared for the Olympics and whatever. And I'm sure I messed up a lot of those Russian names back in the day, but nobody called me on it. So I guess I, I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We did. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you, Dustin Bufflin, when he first came up, you were not the only one mispronouncing that name. 
Yeah, I, I think there's probably a few on that bandwagon. I think so. <laughs> uh, so you've called the 1989 All-Star Game in St. Louis. Hull's mm-hmm. 50th goal in 49 games in 1991. Numerous right. Western Conference final games, the Winter Classic. So many other games that, that have been under your voice. Uh, we are calling these moments. Do you know how big they are at the time? Or is it something that kind of hits you later as you reflect on them? Well, um, I knew the All-Star game was big, and that was pretty early in my uh, career as the Blues PA guy. Um, and I was I was a little nervous about that because they asked me to do the introductions of all the players, and I was carried live on ESPN, and I knew it was going to be live on ESPN beforehand. And and so, um, so that was kind of a big, uh, I guess, nerve-wracking experience early on in my my days but yeah i knew that was a big one and i certainly knew that the winter classic was going to be uh a big moment and and certainly it was and i think it might be the uh the if i had to name a biggest moment i guess of my uh, pa announcing career i think the the winter classic would probably take the cake at this point but um yeah all of those moments i think the that the the hall 50th goal was uh, was kind of a big deal because we did it twice. I don't know if you know that <laughs> yes, story, but, yes. uh, but he scored the goal and then they took it away from him. And a couple of minutes later, he scored the 50th goal again. Right. And, uh, and so there's actually two announcements of the 50th goal there. But, uh, but yeah, those, those kind of milestones or markers along the way are, are just as important to me as I think they are the fans. And I, I hope that I have uh, an awareness of that and, and bring the right treatment to the uh, to the announcements at the time. And uh, I remember one of my more nervous moments, uh, and I've got it on tape so I can play it back to myself, <laughs> is when I introduced Wayne Gretzky for the first time oh, yeah. as a member of the Blues. And, um, of course, that was a huge crowd, a huge moment, uh, when he was introduced as a blue for the first time and uh i I listened to it and i'm almost embarrassed to listen to it because i was my voice was quavering a little bit as i made the and number 99 wayne gretzky and (laughs) kind of a kind of a flutter in there that kind of indicates how how uptight i was about making sure that that was done uh without a mistake but uh was done without a mistake, but there was certainly some uh, some tension involved. So when when a, when the Blues get a player, I mean Wayne Gretzky comes to mind, obviously, but Grant Fuhr, uh, Keith Kachuk, you know some of these big names when they get them, uh, you know, in the prime of their careers or even towards the later end, like a Martin Brodeur. Is that something where you say, okay, I got to practice how I'm going to say this person's name because? This is going to be one that people are, are going to, you know, want to celebrate and, and uh, you know, kind of say it with me. You know, Jeff, I think most people who are in the announcing game um, would tell you that usually it turns out a whole lot better if they don't think about it a whole lot beforehand. Um, I do understand that it's important to give it some sort of treatment. Um that is memorable and that is going to stay with people for a while and that people appreciate. Um, but you know, if I, 
if I stood in front of a mirror and, <laughs> and practiced different treatments of somebody's name, you know, I'd likely choose the wrong one. You know, usually if, if you do it in the moment and you put the right amount of excitement to it and, and energy into the uh, announcement, it usually comes out a whole lot better than if you've got some kind of preconceived notion about how it's going to go. I will say this, though, that when, when Keith Kachuk got traded from Phoenix to the, the Blues, um, I did look at his name and I said, you know, there's got to be a way to do this that's going to be special to the fans. And I came up with the Keith Kachuk thing that a lot of people hopefully remember. Yes. And, but I wanted to make sure he was okay with it. So his first game here in St. Louis... I asked uh, Mike Caruso or one of the media guys if I could go talk to him real quick. And I said, you know, I went back to the locker room, welcomed him to the team. And, and I said, you know, Walt, I've got a treatment on your name announcement that I'd like to do, but I want to make sure you're okay with it. So, I, you know, I did it for him. And uh, he said, that sounds great. He said, you know, you've been doing this a long time. He said, whatever you want to do is fine with me. So... So that night, I don't know, remember if he's, I think he scored a goal in his first game, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to look it up to be sure. But, but I did do an announcement in the, either the first or second game that he played with the Blues, and I did the goal scored by number seven, Keith Kachuk. And, and apparently the reaction in the crowd was even more than what I thought it was because um, after the game, Jim Woodcock, who was the head of, communications and marketing for the blues at the time uh saw me walking through the offices after the game he said come into my office for a minute i thought "Uh oh what's going on here (laughs) so i went in and sat down at his desk and he said you know that keith kachuk announcement you did i thought yeah and he said never ever change that (laughs) he said he said that was fantastic I said, well, good. I'm glad I got approval from the player then because uh, the boss wants me to do it on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think that's a long way to an answer to your question. But, but yeah, I, I, there are some names that, uh, you know, just um, kind of cry out for kind of, uh, kind of a special treatment, you know. Um, but, you know. Jaden Schwartz, it's kind of hard to do a whole lot with that name. And, yeah. you know, the, the one-syllable names, last names, it's, it's really hard uh, doing a whole lot with. But, uh, you know, whenever there's the opportunity there to uh, spice it up, I, uh, you know, I enjoy that. Uh, would you say Kachuk is your, your favorite name call you've had to date, or is there someone else that stands out? Well, it's it's probably the most... Uh, memorable, I guess, for me, for some fans, because if I'm out in public and somebody recognizes me, I've over the years I've had several requests, mostly by young fans, uh, to you know they come up to me, and say, Mr. Calhoun, would you do the Keith Kachuk thing? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and usually I have to do a performance right there or wherever it happens to be for them to you know to make them happy. But but I'm glad to do it, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, Brett Hull was kind of hard to do a whole lot with. Uh, you know, I did a whole lot of his goals, and it was a lot of fun doing them. But, uh, you know, he's just got one of those names, one syllable, one syllable, Brett Hull. 
Brad, oh, you know, you just drag it out and you do the most you can with it. But uh, uh, Kachuk was a good one. I'm trying to think of, um, there was a few others that... Uh, Al McKinnis! Al McKinnis, yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he was fun to do. And, of course, he, he was all, one of my favorite all-time blues anyway. He, I, I call him the Stan Musial of hockey. You know, he had that uh, same kind of approach to the, to the fans, always being, uh, you know, fan-friendly and, um, uh, you know, a gentleman about the sport and so forth. But uh, um, some of the other names uh, just aren't popping into my head right now, Jeff. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, over the years there's been a lot of good ones, and if people want to make a special request, I always try to try to – you know, accommodate. Uh, man, I wonder if you could do the uh, a similar Keith Kachuk for Pat Maroon. Maybe you put the emphasis well, on the on the mug. It's funny. It's funny too because um, when Maroon was signed um, back in July, I guess it was. Um, I had already put something out on Twitter that I was practicing Ryan O'Reilly. You know and. <laughs> And so uh, some people on Twitter and social media were asking, oh, what are you going to do with Pat Maroon? And that's an easy one because of the, you know, Maroon. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be, a, there'll be a lot of fun holding that one out and, and uh, making, some, uh, uh, making something memorable out of it. So hopefully he'll be okay with it. Hopefully. So you, uh, you've got one call that, that most fans probably associate you with, maybe more so than the name calls. And that's mm-hmm. let's make some noise tonight. Was yeah. that something you came up with, or was that something that uh, was written for you and you just kind of made it your own? Well, I'd like to say it was my own uh, creativeness that came up with that, but <laughs> I think it was, if I remember correctly, I think it was written into the script by, and I mentioned Jim Woodcock before, I think it goes back to the days when he was uh, head of the marketing department and communications for the blues, and he was... Uh, instrumental in a lot of the uh, game presentation in those days. And I believe he wrote it into the script, or if he didn't write it, he, you know, certainly approved it. And uh, it just became, you know, a staple right away. Make some noise tonight. And um, it's never gone away. You know, I think it's just what, uh, uh, just what's needed right before the puck drops uh, on every game. And hopefully, uh, Hopefully people uh, are still appreciating it. So you're approaching 1,500 consecutive games. You've never called in sick. That includes preseason, regular season, and playoffs. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I have to ask, because I know people have probably asked you, are you taking a super soldier serum or something to make sure you're always healthy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. If I took a super soldier serum, I'd probably... Uh, jinx myself, I would think <laughs> at this point, because uh, you know, no, it's just, um, it's just, a, a Jeff. I think I've been really lucky with my health, and I'm, I've got wood here, so I'm going to knock on it a little bit. Um, and you know, there have been times uh, where I probably shouldn't have been at the hockey game, and I should have stayed home and you know, taken care of a sore throat or. A, a little bit of laryngitis or a sinus infection or some other, you know, minor malady. But 
you know, when I got to 500 or so consecutive games, I realized I had something kind of special going. And I made up my mind that unless it was just, you know, a situation where I had to be in bed or had to be in the hospital or if it was a, you know, uh, one of my sons getting married or some other kind of very, very important life event, you know, I was going to be at the hockey game. Nothing was going to keep me away. And uh, so far, you know, I haven't had a real serious illness, uh, you know, get in the way. You know, there's been a couple of times, in fact, uh, I mentioned Susie Matthew uh, a while back, and when we were still back at the old arena, there was a night where there was a blizzard going on outside, for one thing. And secondly, I was, I either got some food poisoning or I got a case of the flu or something, and after the first period, I was really sick at my stomach, and I... Uh, excused myself to uh, take care of business. And uh, when I came back to uh, my place next to the rink, I called up to Susie, who was up in the press box. And I said, Susie, I've just been really sick, and I don't know if I'm going to make it through this game. Uh, you know, I don't want to be uh, stick here in the penalty box area and, you know, create a problem. She goes, well, if you're going to have to leave, let us know, and we'll send somebody down there. And uh, I said, who's that going to be? And she says, I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, so it just so happened that I was able to tough it out and make it through the rest of the game. I think I probably had a pretty good fever going at that time. But uh, after the game, I was not only still not feeling well, but I had to drive home through this blizzard. Oh. And that was not fun either. But, uh, but we made it. And, you know, the streak continues. Jeez. So what is the Blues' backup plan if you miss, if there is one? Well, um, the last I was aware of, uh, Andy Banker from Channel 2 and uh, uh, Channel 11, uh, he was trained a few years ago during the preseason to kind of step in if, if I couldn't be there. And I guess that's still the plan. Andy was doing the Rams games, you know, before – before they left town and you know he's a big hockey fan so i'm sure he'd be fine i i guess that's who would come down there at this point although now that i i'm thinking more about it um we had um we had uh well, i'm not gonna get his first name right but rizzo from the rizzo show on the point uh scott rizzuto Scott Rizzuto, that's it. Yep. You got it. And um, he was there, I think, last year during the preseason and sort of shadowed me during one of the games. That's Scott Rizzuto. That's right. I should have known that. That's that's, okay. that's, a, that's a senior moment on my part. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was there, and I think he's now the backup guy. And I don't know if anybody's told Andy Banker, but, <laughs> but I, th I think Scott Rizzuto is our guy now if – if uh, if the streak comes to an end, I think yeah. you just told Andy Baker. So I think maybe Andy just found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that I mean that's that's all. Yo, Scott Scott Rizzuto did a good job. They came in uh, last year and did the one hundred five seven takeover. So I think that would be a fine mm -hmm. addition. But uh, hopefully, we never have to find that out. Well, I'm hoping that it goes on for a while that I don't have to miss a game. Um, certainly, that's. Uh, become a, a kind of a big deal to me and hopefully uh, hopefully it's a big deal to the blues as well but um, 
yeah, I, I'm sure Scott would do a great job. He's, I like him. He's a good guy and he certainly knows about sports as well and, and hockey. So, so he'd be a perfect guy to do it if, uh, if the old Calhounster can't make it sometime. Yeah, right. So I wanted to ask you about a game day. Let's say the Blues are playing uh, tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your routine like? I mean, what what uh, what's a, a day in the life of of the working man, Tom Calhoun? Okay. Well, up until last year, I was teaching regularly at uh, one of the local universities, and um, that came to an end last year. So I got a lot more free time during the day than what I used to have. I do some. Uh, occasional freelance voice work during the day, which uh, takes up a little bit of my time. But uh, uh, normally I'll leave the the house here about 3.45, about a quarter to four. We generally have a, uh, for a seven o'clock meeting, we have a production meeting at the arena at uh, 4.45. So that gives me plenty of time to get into the parking garage and get into the building and, you know, Chit chat with whoever I need to chit chat with before the uh, before the 4:45 meeting, and um, that meeting usually lasts 10 or 15 minutes when they go over some of the elements for the that night's game that everybody might not be familiar with, and then uh, usually we have the uh, pregame meal. Uh, it's up in the uh, press box area these days, and uh, we have a little bite to eat. And then I relax for a few minutes, go over my uh, go over my script, and go over my uh, rosters for both teams. Make sure I'm clear on the pronunciations of all the players. And if not, I'll check with the media relations guys or Chris Kerber or or John Kelly or somebody who might have seen those players before, uh, if I'm not familiar with them, and find out how they're going to do it. So we're all doing it the same way. And um, then about. Usually about six o'clock, I'll get out to the rink uh, about an hour before the game and get settled and get all my my iPad set up, which I do read my script off an iPad now, which is amazing because 31 years ago, when I first started doing this, I was handed a set of three by five cards when I got to the rink, (laughs) three by five index cards that all the scripting was on back in those days. But now I'm reading uh, reading from an iPad. So I'll get that set up at the uh, scorer's table down in the penalty box area and make sure my microphone's uh, checked out and working fine and, uh, you know, make sure my script and, or my uh, roster, rather, is posted where I need to see it. And then usually it's a matter of... Uh, you know, visiting with a few fans. Usually there's some fans that come into the penalty box. Uh, uh, VIPs, I guess they are, who uh, have the up, upgraded ticket packages and so forth. They usually uh, come into the penalty box and uh, might visit with them a little bit. But, um, you know, it's just all preparation between 6 and 7 o'clock for the most part. And, of course, along about 6.40, I guess, 6.35, I guess it is, we get the, uh, the players coming out for warm-ups, and I do that intro, and that's usually the first time I'm heard during the course of the evening. And if you've been to a game, you pretty much know how it goes from there. Yeah. Yeah. So you also do the Gateway Grizzlies, um, Mm -hmm. which is a a local minor league baseball team. How different is your preparation and execution uh, for minor league baseball uh, as compared to the NHL? Well, um, the whole 
presentation, of course, is is, is a lot different. Um, baseball is um, a little bit less scripted, at least at the minor league level, where I, I help out with the Grizzlies. Um, there is a kind of a standard procedure and some standard announcements that are made at various times throughout the baseball game. But at that level, uh, I've always been encouraged by the owners and the, the managers of the team to just kind of have fun with it, you know, to, to do do an announcement where I think it needs to go and um, kind of ad lib where I need to ad lib an announcement, uh, you know, to pump up the uh, 50-50 game for that night or um, whatever other things are going on at that particular game. So it's a little bit looser uh, organized than certainly the blues the blues pretty much have everything scripted out these days uh to to where it happens everything happens at a preset predetermined time during the course of the game uh, you know tv timeout one tv timeout two etc here's the script for that so so the uh, preparation for the grizzlies is uh a whole lot less i guess than than the blues because the blues uh is all scripted out and i make got to make sure that i'm comfortable with all the scripting that they have for me for each game but the grizzlies you know i'll show up there and we have a little uh, pre-game meeting there as well uh where we go over that night's special happenings so that i'm familiar with all of that stuff but uh you know it's a like i said it's a lot more kind of in my uh, comfort zone where they like to keep it. So I I uh, kind of can go with what I want to go with wherever I want to go with it. In fact, Rich Soje, who is just a prince of a guy, he's the major owner of the Grizzlies. I remember the very first game that I did there for them back in 03. Uh, he came up in the press box and shook my hand and said, oh, we're really happy that you agreed to, to help us out with the presentation here. And I said, you know, I'm glad to do it. And he said, there's just one thing that I want you to remember while you're doing this job for us. And I said, yeah, what's that, Rich? And he said, just have fun. That's awesome. And, and uh, when, when, a, when an owner of the team uh, tells you just have fun, you know, with it, uh, that, of course, takes all the pressure off. And, and I think that's been uh, – strong part of the presentation that the Grizzlies have had over the years. And that is kind of a, a family friendly uh, laid back approach to, to presentation of the game. And, and hopefully I've been a good part of that for them. Uh, have you ever had a conflict between the blues and the Grizzlies? No, so far I have not. Uh, but there is an understanding uh, that if the, the grizzly season starts in the middle of May, and certainly the blue season could extend uh, if they're, they go deep into the playoffs to late May, early June. And so uh, we had an understanding from the get-go back in '03 that if there was a Blues game and a Grizzlies game that happened on the same night, that the Blues would take precedence, and the Grizzlies are fine with that. So, um, so no, there's never been a conflict yet, believe it or not, over the course of 15 or 16 years. But um, hopefully the Blues might go deep into the playoffs this coming season, and maybe we'll have the first one. Well, let me ask you, do you think they will? Is this the year that we see the Blues kind of extend, maybe even past the Western Conference Final? Well, I certainly have that hope. You know, I, I, 
uh, I think Doug Armstrong had a really strong uh, off season here. Uh, he was kind of, I think, challenged to have one, and I think he came up with a dandy. Uh, you know, I think the uh, I think the moves that uh, the front office made in acquiring players and trading players and uh, signing free agents and so forth has just been a you know a marvelous um, uh, deal. And I have more hope for this team, this roster, than I've had for several years. Yeah, I think you've got to go back to the David Backus team here three or four years ago that went to the Western Conference Final before, you know, uh, you find another team that, that had this kind of potential. So, yeah, I, I really, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, but certainly I am hoping that, uh, that we get to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in my tenure with the Blues. So how many more games are left in your streak? Mm, boy, I've <laughs> never really, uh, I've really never given it a whole lot of thought. You know, here I am, uh, Jeff, at age 67. And so far I've been very lucky, as I said earlier, to be healthy, to, you know, show up at all the games I've been scheduled to perform at. And... I've also been very lucky health-wise, and I, I include my voice in that because my voice obviously is the instrument that's important to making the presentation a professional one. And so many guys who get to their late 60s, early 70s, um, well into their 70s, start losing that instrument. The instrument becomes not as strong as it once was. And when that happens, the people who hire you suddenly say, well, this isn't the presentation we hired this man for back in the 80s, you know, or the 90s, or, or what we kept hiring him for through those many years. Uh, you know, suddenly it's not the same presentation if the voice goes bad. And so I've been really lucky with that part of my health as well, the voice has held out so far very well. And um, I think the folks that hire me to do the, the PA announcing are, are still happy with what I'm doing. So in answer to your question, I hope there's another thousand or so games in there. Yeah. You know, it'd be really, be really nice. That means I'm A, living to be an old man, <laughs> uh, B, my voice still works, and C, that I haven't had any major health problems. Uh, so, you know, another thousand games, of course, would mean, uh, uh, you know, another 20 years of doing it, which I'd say that's probably unlikely, but, um, you know, it's something you can hope for. Well, I don't think I'm the only one rooting for you. I know people within the organization love the work you do, so, uh, you'll be expected to stay as, as long as you can. So keep up the great work, man. I think, uh, I speak for all Blues Nation when I say that uh, we love your calls at uh, Walt Enterprise Center nowadays. Yeah. Well, Jeff, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that, and, uh, and hopefully you, you speak for enough people uh, that, that, that that's true. And, uh, you know, um, I, I can't imagine not doing it because I've gotten to love it so much, and uh, it's become a part of who I am, I think. And what people perceive me 
as uh, is the Blues PA announcer and to some degree the Grizzlies PA announcer, but primarily the Blues PA announcer, I think. And um, I suppose whenever this uh, run comes to an end and and it's time for me to uh, meet the maker, I suppose they'll put... Uh, uh, let's make some noise on, on the old tombstone. <laughs> let's hope, let's hope. Uh, Tom, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, again, we've had you on in the past. I know you know uh, my co-host, Kurt Price, so uh, sure. really appreciate you coming on. But I want to give you a, a moment here to uh, sp- tell our audience how they can interact with you on social media. I know you have a website as well. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that so people can find you. Sure. Um in fact, before you called for this interview, I was kind of working on the website a little bit, and I'm rethinking some of the offerings that I'm going to be uh, putting out there on the website. Uh, I am available to um, do PA announcing for amateur hockey games, obviously on nights when it's not um, a blues game. So if somebody has a big game, let's say a youth game or an adult league game or even a college game, and they think they want to put the uh, Blues PA announcer to work on it, uh, you know, I can certainly be available for that. Um, And the other thing I do is freelance voice work. I do a a lot of commercials uh, for various uh, companies and organizations. Um, And thirdly, I, you know, over the years have done quite a few MC jobs of Corporate events, uh, fundraisers, you know, dinner auctions, all those kinds of things I've done over the years, and I can be hired to uh, to do that as well. And on my website, I plan to uh, do some blogging about the blues and other things that I find interesting. Um, there's going to be, I think, a part of the website. I'm going to work this out with the blues, hopefully, to where we can uh, uh, do some interviews with uh, some of the coaches and the uh, the folks that don't get a whole lot of airtime, uh, Bill Armstrong and some of the scouting staff and people like that. So we can kind of keep an eye on some of the blues, um, prospects and, and kids down in the minors. Uh, so hopefully that'll be uh, something that might attract some folks to the website. And, um, you know, I'll do some, uh, Twitter, you know, I've got a, I've got a Twitter profile there as well. You know, PA guy, Tom, and uh, the the website is at uh, pagaitom.com. So hopefully that rings with a few folks. Hopefully. <laughs> and, you know, I've got the Facebook and I've got the Twitter and I've got the Instagram, all that stuff going, which is, for an old guy, uh, pretty amazing. I can't believe I'm doing all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> but it seems to be the way the world is going, so i got to catch up. That's right. Well, yeah. Tom, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll uh, have to have you on during the season at some point if at all possible and um you know we hear you every week because you're in our open so uh greatly appreciate you coming on today and uh best of luck going forward jeff thanks so much for having me on i enjoyed it and uh let's go blues let's go blues again want to thank tom for coming on the show and now here's my interview with steve albers of center ice brewery This is Jeff from Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I'm joined by Steve Albers. He's the founder of Center Ice Brewery, the hockey-themed brewery located in Midtown near Pappy's. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Jeff, thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to get something that that a lot of people might not know about you, 
You started this brewery two years ago now, right? Yep. Um, you were well, in, actually one year. One year. One year ago. Just feels like two years. Well, uh, with actually, how much you've done. Well, actually, if we really take a step back, I came up with this concept back in 2010. Right. So it's eight years in the making. But we we uh, we signed the lease to our location in 2016. Wow. So and then we had our opening in 2017, and we just had our one year anniversary. So. You know, you could say we've done been at this for eight years or two years. So right? I was right, technically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you were in bank management before yep. this, and what mo- motivated you to leave, and and what kind of made you stay on course to get this brewery open? While I was in college at Webster University, I went through their entrepreneurship program. So before bank management, I realized that, that I wanted to own my own company. Just didn't know what. And then once I got out of college, uh, I bought a house and I started home brewing, and that's when. Urban Chestnut and Four Hands and these great breweries were opening, and I, I was—I just had to do it. I was like, I have to open a brewery. This is the coolest thing in the world. I want to play hockey and make beer for a living. Well, I think that's everyone's dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for those wanting to do the same thing you did? Yeah, um, be patient. Yeah. It's tough. It's—you know—the first thing that I would recommend is writing a business plan. Figure out what's going to set you apart from everybody else. Now there's over six thousand breweries, mm-hmm. so that's the the biggest differentiator is what are you going to do to you know is it the beer is it the brand is it a mix of the both where are you located all those different moving elements write the business plan because you're going to need it regardless of how you get your financing now if you've got money in the bank then you can launch your brewery but most people don't i.e including myself so if you're going to go get a bank loan they're going to want to see a business plan and performas and projections and you know they're going to want you know you're they're going to go the sba small business loan route most likely or if you're, what I did was I went out and I shark tanked people every day from 2010 to 2016. Wow. Took people to breakfast, lunch, happy hour, dinner, whatever it took to get in front of them to share this vision of a hockey themed brewery coming to St. Louis, of filling the voids of one, there's, you know, these great breweries that are opening, but there's still more opportunity. There's an abundance for and a demand for craft beer. But secondly, there isn't a lot of places in St. Louis to go watch a hockey game. There aren't any St. Louis Blues hockey bars. They're just, you know, there's Bobby's Place and OB's and, you know, the great staples that are in St. Louis. However, there's room for more. And so that was, that was our differentiators of pushing the envelope of making, you know, like today we're releasing that rosé ale that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. You know, a beer that is brewed with pink guava and hibiscus petal flowers you know so it's super pink in color women are going to love it guys like it too and so you know i think we're the only brewery in st louis that's making that exact recipe right you know second shift has hibiscus wit with hibiscus but uh you know we have pink guava in ours and so even if we tried to make a hibiscus wit it would be remarkably different than second shift and so there's just constant variety between all these great breweries in town yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit that uh, I love myself a little fruity drink every now and then. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. Give me some jungle juice. <laughs> uh, so uh, something I've always uh, admired about you and what you've done is a lot of your marketing that you've done over the years. Uh, when you were first starting the the brewery and you were getting people excited about it, you had a vlog going, a uh, video blog for those who don't know what that is. Uh, and you did a lot of weird things. It wasn't just, you know, here's the brewery. Here's where we're going to be brewing the beer. You did do that, but you had a lot of a personal touch to it. Something I liked was your gender reveal for what I believe was your first son, Nash, right? Uh, I think that was for... Was it the second yeah, son? I think it was for Franklin, yeah. Okay. But either way, you did a gender reveal on your vlog. Yeah. Uh, you went to uh, the lumber yard that had all the old arena wood. Yeah. You put that up on the vlog. 
Uh, just very exciting stuff. What made you think to do that? Did you think it was going to resonate so well with your crowd? So along this passion for entrepreneurship, one of the things I started doing even in college was studying successful entrepreneurs and listening to their stories and then trying to replicate their success stories. And there's a couple of guys from 2010 to 2016 that I came across. One of them's Gary Vaynerchuk, another one's Casey Neistat. And both of them were vlogging and telling their story and I was just infatuated by that, of, of building an online audience just by sharing your story and sort of documenting the journey of your life, right? So um, in 2014, I did a Kickstarter campaign and I hired a, a guy to shoot the video and I fell in love with that process. I didn't, I have this, I, I love to create, but I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of it. And uh, in 2015, we did the Kickstarter campaign again, so that means we shot and edited two videos in two years, and I just love that process. And while I'm studying, you know, Casey Neistat and Gary Vee, it's like, you know what, I just need to, I need to do a daily vlog. And it'll, you know, the only way to, to get good at something is to practice. Mm -hmm. And so I did a daily video blog from, uh, I launched it in 2016, from January 1st to October 27th. I did 300 vlogs in 300 days. Uh, using my iPhone, using iMovie, uh, eventually upgrading to a you know a point and shoot and then a DSLR and then you know expanding from iMovie to Final Cut Pro. Uh, then I got a GoPro and then I got a drone and just kept building upon. And now I'm in the stage where the reason I stopped was because we had our second born. That's when Franklin was born on almost Halloween of 2016. And then from 2016 to 2017, I did about a, another 125 vlogs in that process of you know that was the old arena wood and the gender, you know all those different things. And uh, I just love making movies because that's essentially what you're doing. You right. know, it's it's raw, it's organic, it's authentic. Um, and also, too, while there is a cost of time, there to to create this content, you're you're building an audience online for pennies. Yeah. And now we have a collective audience between myself as a brand, the brewery as a brand, and the Frozen Cup as a brand of fifteen thousand followers. Wow! So That's phenomenal. Thanks. So it's um, so I've, I've taken a step back after our, our first year of product of, of being open in for the brewery, taking a step back, reevaluated, and I want to take the what we've done from those about five hundred videos. I want to take that I sort of call that one and I want to upgrade everything to two point So you, the Sunrise Vlog is coming back. Nice. Um, it's going to be really behind the scenes of our brewery, but not just me. It's Bill and Matt and Katie and Alicia and Courtney and the rest of the squad. Uh, we'll have a Center Ice show, which will be, uh, it will be a video show, but we'll take the audio and rip it to a podcast. And that's where, kind of like this, where we'll have guests on of, you know, people in the St. Louis Blues world, people in the beer world, people, you know, with local St. Louis businesses. It's going to be right. all things hockey, craft beer, and St. Louis. Very cool. And so those, that's the, that's the future that's coming, um, here within the next, I'd say, 60 days. Okay. So well, we're, we're competition for me. I like it. <laughs> I welcome it. <laughs> uh, so you, as I mentioned, you did this vlog, 300, 300 videos, 300 days, and then you've done so many more since then. Is it hard to keep yourself motivated to, to do that kind of content every single day, wake up and say, all right, what am I going to do that? What am I going to do today for a vlog? Sure. Um, for me... I'm, I'm wired differently. <laughs> when I was in college, I was working full-time from 8 to 5 and then taking 18 credit hours at night from 5.30 to 9.30. Mm. And I've just always loved the... It's really just the grind that I'm obsessed with of working 18 hours a day. And I realized in college, if I'm going to put in 18 hours a day, it's not going to be for Regents Bank. Right. It's not going to be for Bank of America. It's not going to be for any of... you know. It's not going to be for a corporation. It's going to be for myself. Right. And, uh, and so to vlog, I fell in love with the process of 
learning, you know, because really the only way to grow in especially filmmaking is there are things that you'll shoot that you think look awesome and then you get to the editing software and it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's things that you capture that serendipitously look amazing. And so then you tweak the way you shoot and you just learn that process. And really the magic really happens in post-production of, of editing videos. And I just, I absolutely love that process. The problem is there's no fast way to do it. Right. There just isn't. So when I was doing those vlogs, I was waking up at 4 a.m. and editing vlogs till about 8 a.m. and getting them out. So that way at 8 a.m. for the rest of the day, I could just shoot and create content, create a movie, and then load it before I go to bed, and then the next morning wake up and do it. Wow. And so some of them are, you know, two minutes long, and some of them are 12 minutes long, so they're extremely extravagant. But that was part of the, 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 the fun grind to doing so. And now, in the beginning, it was push, 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 learn how to do it. I feel I've got a decent foundation as an amateur filmmaker. Now I really want to take a step from amateur to uh, really not professional, but like kind of like a pro professional consumer, like they call it a prosumer. Like that's kind of where, like I want to go from 1.0 to 2.0. So things right. like color grading, more drone shots, um, you know, putting masks in the, in the videos and really having it to where it feels like a movie, you know, right. just really beautiful, crispy 4K cinematography, you know, super high frame, uh, frame rates for... Um, super slow mo, you know, just really sexy shots. That's that's where I want to go. And so instead of quantity over quality, now I'm going to quality over quantity. Nice. And so instead of pumping out seven videos in seven days, I'm going to post one video in, in one week. But that one video, I'm going to put 20 hours into. Nice. And that's where I think I, I want to go and grow as a as a filmmaker. So you're a father, yeah. As am I. I just in my job alone, I know how hard it is to have that work life balance. You have so much on your plate at all times. We were just talking before we started recording about how much you're involved in with with getting the brand to grow. How hard is it to have that work-life balance with a wife and two kids? It's awful. (laughs) Um, I think it was Bezos that said, you know, don't think of it as balance. Think of it as integration. You know, you're awake for 18 hours a day. How you're going to spend your time is how you're going to spend your time. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of struck a chord with me because... I've been so heavily work, low family, um, just for the last, really, 36 months. I mean, just just been a hardcore grind, because I quit my job in 2015, and then we started construction in 2016, and then we launched in 2017, and now it's 2018, we're in our first full year of business, now it's, okay, here's what's not working, and we have to fix this as soon as possible, and grow this thing so it's profitable, and a long-term, you know, legacy. I'm not doing this to to build it up to sell it off, I'm doing it to, because... I'd love for my kids to run it one day. But if they don't want to, that's cool. I mean, it's just, this is, I get to play hockey and make beer for a living. This this was my dream, and I was going to do everything in my power to do so. I was fortunate enough to find a, a, an, incredi- an incredible wife that is supportive in that. And, uh, and so while these last 36 months have been challenging, uh, we do have a lot of strong communication between each other of, look, like, I've done a bad job this last 30 days of, you know, working too much. I'm going to take a step back and we're going to do X, Y, and Z and just trying to, you know, it is a balance, but it's an integration. And, you know, there's events where we have events down at the brewery. Uh, perfect example is my buddy that works at, he's, he started day one at our brewery as a bartender. His name's Kyle Chestnut. He has a clothing company. He's a veteran. And uh, one of his best friends committed suicide back in 2012. And it was sort of this veteran suicide issue. And uh, we rose a banner in our facility 
in his memory. And so we had that night of raising the banner, and it was just one of those days that, you know, I had the wife and kids. I'm like, I have to, you're all coming. We're all going down to the brewery. We're all going to support Kyle, even if we're there for an hour and a half. Right. So that's one of those where it would have been easier for me to go by myself. Right. But again, that's where the work life integration is just, it's, it's a challenge. And I, the only way to, in my opinion, to really grasp it is to, to over plan and over communicate with your family. That's good. That's here's good advice. Here's the next month. Here's what here's what the, what's going on at the brewery. Here's what's going on with the family. How do we integrate both? Right. How do we make it work? That's that's good advice. Uh, so uh, I, I do want to talk about you, Steve, the hockey player. Okay. Uh, what position have you do you play? I'm obsessed with playing center. Center. I, okay. I love. I, I hate playing wing. Um, I just. I don't like covering the point and coming down the hash marks. Like I prefer to run all over the, def- you know, all over the ice. Uh, however, I'm extremely out of shape now, so it's <laughs> there is no. I mean, really, this last 36 months. Actually, Matt, who's sitting over there, uh, saw a picture of me from 2000. It was probably 2010 or 11, and I had met the, the owner of Stone Brewery, and he looks at this picture and he looks at me now he's like god this brewery has aged you bud like <laughs> just chirps me hardcore and i'm like you're not you're not kidding buddy like and so uh, again talking about work life balance like i'm not playing much hockey right now mm-hmm. because you know we're we're all in on the brewery and so that's and that's really my only physical form of exercise right and so that's really you know i need to get back into that i'm you know i'm aware that i need to do it um but it, when I play, like ideally, when I play and when I'm in shape, I want to play center. I want to, you know, have line mates and run all over the ice. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, goal scorer, setup man, more of a playmaker. Okay. I prefer to be more of a playmaker. It's more fun. I'd rather set somebody up back door, or, you know, something along those lines than, you know, having a six snipe or something like that. Fighter. Uh, you know, I peaked in high school, right? So yeah. like. I didn't really. Didn't we all? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I pl- you know, I grew up down in Imperial, so I played for Fox and Sackman, and I guess I really ne- never had the opportunity to fight. And okay. uh, during college, I worked so much that you know I didn't play in the Brentwood leagues where you know there are a lot of fights and scraps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then post college, you know, I-, I skate in the mornings with guys that have been skating together for thirty years. Wow. Um, you know, Mike McKenna's dad runs a skate at Kirkwood on Mondays, and. Uh, now there's this new skate with uh, with Cam on Tuesdays that's a lot of fun and those it there's no fighting like it's just not going to happen. Right. The, the group of guys are incredible people and it's just it, it'd be a rarity for a fight to break out. So who do you compare yourself to on the ice when in your heyday? Adam Oates. I love being an Oates. It's a great <laughs> okay. one. I love Good. like yeah. Okay, cool. You yeah, not not Peter Zezel, not. Mike Eastwood. Not Holly. <laughs> All right, good. Good. So I do want to talk about the brewery as well. For sure. people who have not been there, which if you haven't, what the hell are you doing? And I'm looking at the recorder as I say this. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a wonderful establishment. As I said, you've got arena wood all over the place. What, what, what all is from the old arena you have there in the uh, brewery? So when you walk into the tasting room from the back parking lot, the bar top, all of the tabletops and then the wood behind the bar is all reclaimed wood from the old arena. Wow. And the old arena was built in 1929, so it lived for 70 years up in the rafters and lived through an implosion. Wow. And then in 2000, 2001, a, a guy by the name of Roger Branson went down there and said, went, met with the wrecking company and said, I want to buy the wood. I have a farm out in Bourbon, Missouri that I'm going to put it on. 
I was like, all right, here's, your, here's my price. So we bought three tractor trailer loads of it. And serendipitously in 2010 or 11, I met Bill Newberry, who's still a friend. He makes my tap handles, and he makes tap handles for a lot of breweries in St. Louis. And I asked him to make a hockey stick tap handle for my bar here in my basement, which was, you know, Sunrise Brewery 1.0. Right. And, uh, and he did, and, and, and he goes, before I make this, do you want me to make it out of the old arena? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and this is 2010 or 11, and uh, he knew this dream of opening this brewery. And so th- for those six years, he always said, if you raise the money to open your brewery, I'll introduce you to Roger. Roger's a friend of mine. That's where I get the old arena wood. Um, and so that happened. And then we vlogged it. We vlogged the whole journey of us driving from St. Louis to Bourbon, um, you know, flying the drone on his farm. And he's just the, he's the, cool, the, the nicest guy. And so that it, there, that adds another layer of happiness and respect for the old arena right. because Roger saved it. Yeah. Because that would have just went up in flame or whatever. You know, they probably would have just dem- you know left it or trashed it. And so now it sits at a hockey bar in St. Louis where Blues fans get to watch the Blues play on TV and sit at that bar. I mean, right. it's just it's still like I forget about it. I you know I really lose the you know miss what is it miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. It's one of those things. My bet. Yeah. So it's. I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> what about the uh, the penalty box door? Oh yeah, and we and so we have become a museum of the old barn. Right. So uh, during the construction phase, I had a buddy bring up a penalty box door, and I'm looking at him like, "What the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> it's a heavy ass door." Right. And uh, so we built a penalty box, and it's a photo booth, and uh, hopefully over the within the next six months, we're going to paint the wall behind it. Right now, it's just a solid collar, but we're right. going to put our logo back there, and you know, have some signage that. You know, get in the old arena penalty box and take a picture and put it on Instagram and hashtag this. And um, and then we have a window from the old arena. We have bricks. We have seats. Uh, again, we have a book that has just almost everything that lived in that arena for 70 years. And, you know, amazing people like Larry Petey, you know, comes down one day and it's like, hey, do you want these old arena seats? I'm like, yes, please. Oh, wow. You know, Very yellow cool. seats that he had mounted and... Uh, um, you know, it had them kind of rebracketed so you can actually sit in them, and um, you know those are kind of behind the scenes right now. But we're we're actually again we're we're upgrading a lot of our stuff, so we're re- we're redesigning our tasting room as we speak. So we've got new pictures going up, new posters going up because we've collected all of this great stuff that we want to get on display. That's awesome. All pictures of you playing hockey, I assume. <laughs> yeah, at the Fit and Forum. Yeah, right. with oh, a yeah. bicycle helmet. There you go. <laughs> um, so, what's on tap right now? Uh, yeah, we've got some pretty exciting beers coming down the line. Uh, okay. The off-season was challenging, so we didn't have as much variety as I had hoped. Uh, but now, we're, as we're getting into this next hockey season, we've got some fun stuff coming down the line. So we've got a new Saison that's coming on online here that we call Hockey Day Saison, which is French for hockey season. Right. Um, we've got a new Rosé Ale that's coming out that it's, uh, it's really just an... It's not a style. It's just an ale. Uh, it's 5%. But what we did is we brewed it with pink guava and hibiscus uh, flowers to give it a pink color to really, um, you know, add some sweetness, add some, you know, kind of floral notes. And, and, and we really dried it out, too. So it was inspired by rosé wine, you know, rosé okay. all day, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. So, um, so we have that. And then we have our staples coming back online. So our Sunrise American Golden, which is just light and easy to drink. Uh, we have the Beauty, which is a newer beer that we came out with. That's a Brute IPA, so Brute meaning dry. Right. It's a very dry IPA that uh, Bill and Matt, they hand zest 130 pounds of oranges for that beer. I mean, wow. 
there's a lot of physical love that goes into that beer. Yeah. Um, we do have the Grim Reaver on tap right now, which is the beer we did with Ryan Reeves. We have our Puck of the Irish Stout, so it's a traditional Irish stout that uh, this batch we didn't brew it with chocolate, but the next batch we will. So we, we actually age it on pure 100% cacao nibs, like the purest, darkest, bitter dark chocolate. Um, and then we'll have our, uh, our Nash Year's Eve come back out for New Year's. Um, that's an Imperial Blonde Ale re-fermented with white grapes and champagne yeast. So it looks wow. and drinks like champagne. Very cool. And then, oh, and then pumpkin, it's pumpkin season. So we've got our, uh, so my second kiddo was born on almost Halloween, and my wife loves Halloween more than I love hockey. So wrap Whoa. your head around that. Wow. And so she we have. open a Halloween brewery? No shit, right? <laughs> and so we have uh, Franklin Steins. His name's Franklin. He was actually named after Halloween, Franklin Jack. Frankenstein Jack <laughs> Oh, wow. Not nice. joking. And uh, so we have Franklin Stein's Pumpkin Stout coming out uh, probably first week of October, like October 1st. Okay. So that's brewed with pumpkin and um, cinnamon sticks and pumpkin pie spices, and that's wow. a fun one. And yeah. then the, the New Year's beer that I was just talking about, that's called Nash Year's Eve. That's after our firstborn that was born on New Year's Eve. Okay. So You can tell people it's named after Rick Nash, Riley Nash. No. <laughs> <laughs> Future Blue Rick Nash. That's what a lot of people would tell you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Just like Carlson was coming here, right? That's right. That's oh, right. I'm uh, of San Jose. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, actually. Sure. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask you about the Stanley Shuttle. Okay. Don't tell me about that for anyone who doesn't know how that works. So we have some great friends that own a shuttle company that they shuttle... Um, all of our, anybody that's going to the Blues game that wants a free ride down to the Blues game from our brewery. So they shuttle people to and from Center Ice Brewery. So you get to park at our brewery for free, hop on the shuttle. It runs every about 15 minutes, so 6 o'clock, 6.15, 6.30, 6.45, and 7. Um, and drops you right in front, 14th and Clark. And then watch the game. When you leave the game, go up one block to Market Street and I guess it's, what is that, 14th, Market and 14th, or Chestnut and 14th? I think it's Chestnut, Chestnut and 14th. Chestnut and 14th. Yeah. That's where the shuttle picks you back up. Okay. It takes you back to the brewery. You don't have to drop 20 bucks to park. Um, you know, And then you get to drink at our brewery before you go to the game. Well, that's best of both worlds right there. And we actually just launched uh, a shuttle on Sundays from 1 to 6 p.m. that's completely free to the public that visits five breweries and a cidery. Wow. So it's us, Urban Chestnut, Schlafly, Well Spent, Twisted Roots, and Brick River Cider. So if you go to any of those breweries between 1 and 6 on a Sunday, we have a shuttle that's just driving around for five hours that you can hop on and hop off. So if you want to do all six, you can. You want to hit up a couple, you can. And so it's, again, that's... Uh, that's the Stanley Shuttle. Those are our friends, Damien oh, and Crystal. Oh, you should have told me that. Good yep. lord! Yeah, Sunday, Dave, don't let day. Damien have be your driver. By the way, that guy <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> He's a beauty. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. No, that's uh, that's bad news for me. My wife's gonna hate hearing that. Hey, guess what we're doing today, honey? One to six. We're getting tanked. <laughs> Sunday fun day. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, some of your inspirations was was Gary V and a couple other guys that uh, have have kind of taken hold of the whole vlogging and and. Uh, uh, virtual experience. Do you have any inspiration in terms of, of hockey or even maybe beer makers? Brewers, I guess. Is yeah. The proper term. So, uh, kind of rephrase the question. I'm not sure I grasped it. Do you have, uh, what's your inspiration? Like when you were a kid, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. Chris Pronger sure. was my inspiration for the way I played. So for you, Mario Lemieux. Yep. Any brewers that were. Uh, oh, okay. Got it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Stone, Stone Brewery, Dogfish. You know what Forehands was doing, perennial. Um, you know, so again, everybody from big breweries like, like I just mentioned, Stone, Greg Cook out in you know San Diego, California, and right. Dogfish Head up in Delaware. You know, Sam Calgioni. 
Um, you know, Jim Cook was a, a big inspiration with Sam Adams and his story. Lagunita's story is unbelievable. Brooklyn Brewery's unbelievable. Steve Hindi. Uh, I just like I obsess over entrepreneurship. I obsessed over these breweries and their stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, so from 2010 to 2012, I had some partners. And in 2012, it just fell apart. We just never got our shit together. We just couldn't. So uh, in 2013, I really took a step back and was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it. I got to. I got to go all in. And so now, you know, we've got three years of Four Hands and Urban Chestnut and Civil Life and Perennial and these great breweries. And so. I offered them consulting fees to meet with me, and I said, look, I'll pay you, you know, 100 bucks an hour to meet with me so I can get inside info, so I can take that to potential investors and say, now I've got a credible business plan. It's not just what I Googled. Right. And Forehands and Perennial and Schlafly and Urban Chestnut all met with me, either by phone, by email, or in person. Forehands and Perennial actually met me in person, and all of them were like, no, don't, we don't need the money. Like, it's... They're wow, just that's awesome. Unbelievable human. I mean, you know, they're they're giving me insights on financials and insights on you know how they raise the money and insights on what sets them apart and what their strategy is versus what I've got in the works. So 2013 was when I rewrote that business plan, and then in 2014 when I did that first Kickstarter, that's when I first started getting out to people to start actually potentially investing. Because then I had a business plan, I had an offering that I had attorneys draw up, and then in 2015 uh, I just wasn't getting enough traction in 14, so I quit my job to prove that I was committed. And from 15 to 16, I raised the money, wow. found a location, and, and bought used equipment. So that's the, the, the quick six-year story in a nutshell. But I, I learned so much from Kevin Lemp and Phil Wymore and uh, Dan Kotman, who's sort of the craft beer pioneer for St. Louis, uh, and then Dave Wolf at Urban Chestnut. Just unbelievable human beings. Wow. Very cool. So as I've said, you're a giant blues fan. That's Huge. kind of a big reason why you started the, the hockey-themed brewery. Yeah. What's the best blues team you've ever seen? Oh. I'll tell you what. I mean, I know I've said it every year for the last six years that this is our year. <laughs> Don't we all? But, I mean, bringing in Maroon and O'Reilly and Perron and, and Bozak and, um, you know, if Allen can have a breakout year again or, you know, if Huso steps up, whatever. Uh, I mean, just wow. Like, I'm really excited for this year. I don't, I don't, and just like we were talking before, I don't know of another offseason where there's just been this much excitement yeah. for a Blues team. Um, you know, if I have a, a favorite team, it's probably when I was a kid, and it's when, you know, it was Holly and Janney and Shanny and Cujo and Garth Butcher and, you know, that sort of squad. Mm-hmm. So what is that, 93 ish? Yeah, yeah, in there. So, you know, I'd have been six. Right. You know, so that's when hockey was really first starting getting it to get exciting and for me. And then also, too, I mean, look at what Brett Hall did for hockey in St. Louis. Yeah. He put it on the map. Yes, he did. He really did. So, uh, how about you? Oh, for me, it was the 0 1 team. Okay. I, that, that, I'm yeah. very vocal about that. The Chris Pronger, Al McKinnis, the year they got Kachuk. Was that when they Pierre got knocked Turgeon, out first round? That was third round. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, that was uh, 2000 was uh, the year they knocked out the first By round. By San Jose? The only thing they needed was a goalie. Was it Turek? Roman Turek. Wow. Yep. Center ice, Owen Nolan goal. I will oh. never forget. That was on my birthday. Oh. On my birthday, and I was six rows from the ice. Oh. Yeah. My dad was like, oh, that's a bad birthday present. Talking oh. about dream crusher. Oh, it was awful. It I'm, was awful. I was depressed for about a month after that. That's like when Iserman, you know, I think every Blues fan, when they see that clip of Iserman <sighs> walking across the blue line and Murray Barron trying to, you know, block the shot and... John Casey just not seeing not it or s- yeah whatever it was nobody would have stopped that pocket yeah oh <laughs> oh god I hate watching that and right. they seem to show it all the time in NHL Network and ugh, nobody know, wants to see that you know my favorite NHL playoff <laughs> commercial though was uh, it was years ago but when they did the uh, you know what if 
what if Bobby didn't fly? What if Stevie oh, Y? You yeah. know, remember those? Yep, those are good. And they rewind it, and that was, you know, they did Lemieux and Gretzky, and that was... Those are good ones. Yeah. So I use that as, as benchmarks of inspiration of where we're going with our vlog and videos and promoting our brewery. Yeah. Hockey beer, stuff like that. No, it's good stuff. Uh, so you uh, you mentioned the hype around this team. Yeah. Do you believe it? I do. You do? I really do. If, if Allen steps up, I, I think we got a real shot. You know, I think San Jose, Toronto, Vegas, Nashville, Tampa, and us, I think it's going to come down to one of those six teams. And I, I before... Carlson going to San Jose. I was predicting a St. Louis Toronto showdown for the for the cup. That would be an interesting one. That'd be a good one because uh, Toronto's gone as long as the Blues have without a cup. Yeah, it's just the Blues never actually won one. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, could, you, could you imagine both cities though? Oh my God, It'd be nuts. Insane. Former uh, what Smythe Division rivals, right? Is that right? I think so. Wow. Yeah. Good, good, good knowledge there. Yeah. <laughs> well. Can when you, you name do a show four, like this, you got to know something. Can you name the four divisions? Smythe. Oh, my goodness. Smythe, Campbell. Yeah. Oh, uh, good Lord. Pearson? Was that one? I don't know. I mean, we could Google it, but... There is somebody screaming <laughs> at their phone right now. <laughs> Idiot! How do you not know this? <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, too. You mentioned Jake Allen yep. uh, and how this is kind of a... a for a lot of, for a lot of us, the break make or break year for him. Yeah. Carter Hutton leaves. Yeah. Is that a huge hole, or do you think that's something that they'll be able to cover up with either Allen playing better, the signing of Johnson, or Billy Huso coming in? I have no idea. You don't know? I have no idea. That's a great question. Um, you know, with Allen, you know, I, I'm I'm the eternal optimist. So, you know, he's had a real strong performance in the past you know he's obviously i think he's better when he has to earn that spot mm-hmm. you know look at all the stuff he did with what was it Brian elliot elliot yeah you know and then you know we've kind of ran that two goalie system for a while going back to halak and elliot and elliot and allen and um you know and, and i think hutton pushed him last year and hutton played lights out so there's something for that you know no it's my net it's my net that makes you better mm-hmm. but it also has the inverse of you know allen just it was a mess at the end. Yeah. Right? I agree. So I don't know what's going to happen for this next year. I have no idea. Like, I don't know anything about this Chad Johnson, this Ocho Cinco. Um, <laughs> Not the same guy. <laughs> and uh, Or who? I really don't know. Like, I really don't follow the the minor league, so I don't know anything about who's. Like, I've heard decent things, but, like, headline Rainer and, you know, I, I know that we have one of the top five prospect farm systems. Right. But that's, I don't know. Yeah. What do well, you think? I, you know, I was I'm one of the few people who was behind the Johnson signing. Okay. Because uh, he last year, two years ago, in Calgary, uh, Brian Elliott was a starter. He was awful to start the year. Johnson came in and he was a starter for about two months. So if he can refine that magic, I think that's a good signing. But like you said, who knows? You, you don't even know. I mean, who knows? Tarasenko could have a 25-goal year. We don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of they got to play the games. That's why they play the games, as they say. Yeah, but look how deep our four lines are. Yeah, I'm excited That's about that. That's amazing. I mean, just, <laughs> wow. So where do you see them going? Or who's gonna, who's taking the central? Us. We are. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going all in on us. That's good to hear. I no, like no, that. I mean, sure, I'm optimistic. Um but I, you know, I also need it for the brewery. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you that. know, I need the Blues to have a, you know, an eighty-two and zero season, and 
you know, they just they win, what is it, 16 games in a row. They go 96-0 and and win the Cup. I mean, that's what I need. Yep. And the, the, can you imagine? I mean, I know a lot of Blues fans do this, but could you imagine that parade down Market Street? Oh, my God. It's going to be nuts. I mean, it's going to be nuts. And the, the names that will come out of the woodwork uh, for that. I mean, you got to figure there's going to be a lot of former greats coming out for that. Oh, it's it would ignite. It would ignite. It would be it would be what the Cubs got. Yep, it would be. It'd be pandemonium. I honestly thought the Blues would win a cup before the Cubs won, would win a World Series. I thought so too. Sad. I really Very don't care sad. about baseball though. <laughs> Just being honest. So we we mentioned the Carlson trade, Eric Carlson to yeah. the uh, San Jose Sharks. What are your thoughts on that? Great for San Jose. Yeah, I thought they stole. Thank that God trade. they're not in the Central, right? I mean, just, I mean, what's going on? Is Mike Keenan going to Ottawa? <laughs> so it looks, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, wow. I, I wanted to start a hashtag yesterday. Like, glad I'm not a Sens fan. Like, <laughs> I feel terrible for those guys. If you see, they they made a tweet yesterday. The Senators that was thanking Eric Carlson. Read the replies. Really? Oh my lord! Savage. Oh yeah, they went after him. And with sure. good reason. Sure. Yep. Now, they do have Brady Kachuk, and yep. this guy they got from San Jose is one of his best friends. So mm-hmm. there's something there, but that's about it. Yeah. I would say historically bad, but the Senators, I think, have the record for worst season ever back in their inaugural year, I think, in 93. Really? I remember, so, yeah. I remember that sort of era where I can remember being a kid watching the Blues game with my dad in, like, this old crummy basement, um, and... And it wasn't at our house. It was at a you know somebody some some random person's house. And there was there was bubble hockey, and it was like this kind of like man cave. And I just remember the Blues winning like ten nothing against Ottawa. I think it was a ten one game. Yeah, I, I think, remember I that I remember like, that distinctively. <laughs> like I can remember playing the bubble hockey and being like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that's vivid, but well, that's we all have moments like that. That's one of them for sure. But a lot then, of you know, if we, remember that. Like NHL nineteen came out today. And I've oh, been yeah. playing NHL since NHL 93. Yeah, me too. You know, so if you go back to the historic of, you know, really my hockey knowledge comes from the video games. Yep. Of playing with different teams and knowing who's who and, right? Yep. Ottawa's always been crummy. Yes, yep. Right? Minus Samuelson and, and uh, Alexi Yashin. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay has always been bad. Yeah. <laughs> Except not now. No, they're good now. Yeah. You think Stevie Wise going to Detroit? Maybe we'll see. Looks that way, doesn't it? I don't know. It, it certainly is shaping up that way because Ken Holland's kind of fallen out of favor with uh, the fan base there. So, yeah. well, then Zetterberg retired. Today. Zetterberg left today. That's big news. Um, what a surprise! He yeah. gets his one year or his uh, one million per year deal starts kicking in, and he's gone. Funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, so, should the Blues? Retire Chris Pronger's number. That has been a big 100%. discussion on our 100%. show. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I Good. mean, going back to your point of that era team. I mean, what he did here for this town, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I, to be honest, I don't know who would be next. Yeah. That, that would leapfrog him. I've heard Kachuk, but I. If you're going to do Kachuk, you have to do Pronger. Yeah. I'm with you. Maybe Demetra. But again, I, I just don't. Yeah. Again, you you look at the numbers, you look at historically where the team was. Pronger trumps all those players. And you look how good he was. I mean, yeah. he was he was dominant, just mean. Like, yeah. Just oh, <laughs> and and just how how big he was and how like he was you know he he revolutionized the game. Yeah, he did. He really did. And it, having him and McKinnis on the point. Yep. Wow. And Demetra and Kachuk and Mellenby and mm-hmm. those guys. I mean. 
that was that was you're right that was a good era those were uh fun teams to watch yeah. until the lockout hit yeah the lockout man that sucked yeah well steve this has been great i really appreciate you taking time out of yeah. your day you've been very busy lately so very cool to have you on uh, i do want to give you a time to tell my audience um how they can interact with you on social media sure. where they can find your bar anything online they could look up for you anything like that yeah if you google center ice brewery it all comes up so okay. you know we're actually launching a new website here in the next 90 days um yahoo geocities right <laughs> <laughs> one of those GoDaddy sites yes of course um you know on facebook instagram twitter those are our and YouTube. Those are our big four. But we're going to be doing things on LinkedIn. We're going to be doing things on Snapchat. We're going to be doing things on you know lots of different platforms upcoming as we build out our our company. And so on on Facebook um, and on YouTube, you'll see a vlog that's Sunrise Vlog Season Two, and it's really going to show the behind the scenes of the brewery's life, of the brewers, the people running the bar, myself, the new beers. I mean, if we're rolling out fifty beers in the next. 12 to 18 months, we're going to tell every one of those stories. Just like this rosé, you know, the group we're sitting down and we're talking about rosé wine and rosé all day in an event, and we're like, we should make a rosé beer. I mean, that's yeah. literally, and then it, and then Bill is like, well, here's how we should do it. Here's how you're going to get the pink color. We should do some, you know, and then we brainstorm collectively, and, you know, he really came to, you know, it was Bill's baby, but he's like, I want to do pink guava and hibiscus. Cool. Because, and then we started researching other breweries, and they're, you know, doing raspberries and different things like that. So this is one of the most unique beers that uh, we pumped out and especially I don't brew anymore so when I, we first launched I did all the brewing and I did all the home brewing here I mean I've, I've got some experience brewing right so I don't I don't get to do that fun element anymore however I've got two great guys that have that equal passion that they love doing it so yeah. I've got it in the right hands right now so we're going to be making beer like literally actually you know what here's what we're going to do let's make a beer together okay and let's design it right now okay Oh boy! So what's what's your favorite beer? Uh, I'm a big Boulevard Wheat fan. Okay. I like uh, Contact High. Okay. And I'm actually a big uh, Grim Reaver fan. Okay. So you like IPAs and you like wheat beers. Yes. Okay. If what's your what's your favorite fruit? Well, banana, but I don't know okay. if that translates well with beer. What's your favorite food? Oh, pasta probably. Okay. Favorite dessert? Gooey butter cake. Okay, favorite uh, wine? Rosé. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought you were messing with me. No, no, it's rosé. <laughs> cool. I mean, uh, and then how about favorite spirit, like liquor? Boy. If you're drinking uh, a cocktail. Probably anything with rum in it. Okay. So like Captain? Is yeah, your, Captain's good. Is your go-to? Okay. So you kind of went across the board from different flavor profiles. Yes, I did. Um, you know, you can do... You, all those flavors that you mentioned, you could do beers with. So now that you just kind of brainstormed all of those, what would be an interesting beer in your opinion? Maybe some type of banana bread beer. Okay. There you go. You Is could that do a it. possibility? 100%. All right. You can literally make anything. Okay. Like all those flavors that, we, that you just mentioned, we can, we can pretty much do. Cool. You know, you could do... Uh, you know, you could do like a, a, a bigger version of that and put it in a rum barrel, or you could do. You know, there's so many different things that you can do with beer. That you know, I use this rosé as a great example. Is that's where this the fun and creativity comes from brewing. Right. So, a banana, banana rum cake. You ever had that? That's good stuff. No, nope, that could be a good one. Yeah. So you could actually do a big Belgian, like a big Belgian beer. That's. Do you like beers more sessionable, or do you like them bigger? I like them bigger. Okay. So I mean, you could rip out a big Belgian quad. 
that's going to be, you know, dark fruits and dark caramels and toffees as a, as a benchmark of, as the style itself. Uh, and then the yeast from the, the Belgian quad area is, is going to be banana spicy clovey. And then uh, to get like that banana bread, we could use some biscuit malts to kind of extenuate some breadiness. Uh, and then we could put it in a rum barrel. There you go. Let's head down to the brewery right now. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Takes a little more pre- more more projecting than that. <laughs> we gotta. All right. We tomorrow. Gotta order, we gotta. <laughs> we gotta order the ingredients, Jeff. Okay. All right. Next week. <laughs> well, Steve, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay. First and foremost, the Blues were in the Norris. I know. Oh, on the spot, I couldn't think of it. The Blues were in the Norris division in the early 90s with the Maple Leafs. Uh, And then the conferences were the Campbell and the Prince of Wales. In the Campbell, you had the Norris and the Smythe division. In the Prince of Wales, which is now the East, that was the Adams and the Patrick divisions. I am so sorry. Any of you out there yelling at your phones while that was happening, I hope you can find in your heart to forgive me. I, uh, uh, just such a... Stupid 33-year-old man not knowing his blues history. Why do I even have this show? Big thanks to Tom and Steve for coming on the show. As I've said, it was a lot of fun talking to both of those guys. Uh, If you want to follow either of them on Twitter, you can find Tom at P-A Guy Tom. That's P-A-G-U-Y Tom. Uh, That is his Twitter profile. You can follow Steve and Center Ice Brewery over at Center Ice Brew. All one word. So again, those guys are great. Great follows on Twitter. And uh, looking forward to see what they can bring this season for Blues hockey fans. So I again want to thank the writers of Let's Go Blues. That is uh, Smash and Gene Ackman. And of course, the late Johnny Johnson with that fantastic piano solo that you hear in every show. So thank you guys, appreciate it. Looking forward to the new version of that song, which will be heard on Let's Go Blues Radio first and foremost before anybody else hears it. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Twitter handles for the show, we have LGB Radio for the main Twitter. Kirk Price can be found at Kirk Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. One show left until our regular season shows, folks. We're going to have a show next week with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, a guy who has uh, just a, been a wealth of blues knowledge for years and years now. Uh, looking forward to talking to him again, somebody who I worked pretty closely with in the media in my days uh, when I was there, and, and just a, a wonderful guy who's always finding time to talk with fans and, and other media people and Obviously, podcasts as well. So look forward to that. And as I said, last show of the summer interview series. It's sad, but it's great because I'm looking forward to getting the regular shows rolling because that means blues hockey will be being played every week. So very exciting. And uh, as I said before, Cam Jansen, Charles Glenn wanted to get those guys on. Doesn't look like that's going to happen before the regular shows start. So I will stay in touch with them, and we'll probably have them on sometime throughout the season, uh, just because uh, I'm sure those are two guys that uh, people would love to hear from, and two guys, honestly, that I would love to talk to. I've had a couple conversations with Cam in the past, and uh, just a a good guy, and 
obviously Charles Glenn has just been a staple of blues hockey for I don't even know how long now, 18, 19 years. Uh, so, yeah, I'll try to get them on, but stay tuned to us during the season if you want to hear from them. So, again, don't miss next week's show with Jeremy Rutherford. Thank you for listening this week to this action-packed episode. I will talk to you next week on the last episode of the Let's Go Blues Radio Summer Interview Series. Please.